everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teledabsidus podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network, and as always, sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week, and if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right, all it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. That is a no brainer. This slam dunk of an offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and get in on all of the action. And if basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. We've got plenty of NHL action coming up this week, so be sure to get in on all of that at DraftKings Sportsbook. They have paid out over $7 billion to their customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So, the Colorado Avalanche have returned to action. They have just finished their game against the Vegas Golden Knights as I am recording this. The game has quite literally just wrapped up and not the result we were hoping for tonight. The Vegas Golden Knights with a one to nothing win over the Colorado Avalanche in the Avalanche's first game since early February against the Minnesota Wild. Obviously, we've talked about the Avalanche suffering through some COVID issues due to their game against the Wild. The Wild are still out of action. The Avs have missed their last five games. This was their first since February 2nd, and this one could have gone much worse, I have to admit. They looked pretty rusty out of the gate, but as the game went on, they looked decent. They Looked better than I expected, honestly. This game looked kind of what I expected it to outside of the final score. I expected a, a low-scoring game, which is what we got. I was not expecting a one to nothing shutout for the Golden Knights in this one. Definitely disappointing, but it's not all bad news. Nathan McKinnon and Devon Tays return to the lineup as well as Pierre-Edward Belmar. Still waiting on the return of Matt Calvert, and Pavel Francouz is still out for the foreseeable future, but still not all good news on the injury front either, because coming into today, Kale McCarr is mysteriously day-to-day and misses the game against the Golden Knights, because we can't have anything nice, can we? We finally get a little healthy, we get a little bit of a break with a week and a half break, McKinnon's back, Taze is back, things are looking up, we got Belmore back to anchor that fourth line, and mere hours before the game starts, Kale McCarr, done. No one knows why, no one knows for how long, hopefully not for long, the report is day-to-day, I believe with an upper body injury, he must have 
done it during practice somehow. I mean, the Avalanche, I believe they only had one practice on Thursday, I believe. They might have had one more, but they flew to Vegas yesterday, and it, mu- it must have happened there. He must have... I, I have no idea. I have no idea what he could have possibly done, but this team just can't have anything nice in terms of injuries. McCarr does not play tonight, but McKinnon, Taze, and Belmar do make their way back into the lineup, which is ultimately good news, but the Avalanche clearly still feeling the effects of the injuries, and you can see it in the roster. Brandon Saad moves up to the top line for tonight, and Sheldon Drees, Jason Megna on the fourth line, Jacob McDonald, Dennis Gilbert drawing in as well tonight. We're, we're still getting pretty deep into that taxi squad. Matt Calvert, Eric Johnson, Pavel Francouz still out, and everyone that is on the COVID list did not play tonight. That includes Gabe Landeskog, Tyson Jost, and Sam Gerrard. That is three Avs defensemen not playing, including Kale McCarr, even with Devon Tays coming back. I mean, you want to, you want to talk about scraping the barrel of defensemen? We top pair Devon Tays, Bo Byram. I like that pair, but Bo Byram is playing his ninth NHL game or played the ninth NHL game against Vegas tonight. And your second pair, Dennis Gilbert and Connor Timmins. That is hopefully in a, on a healthy team, your fourth pairing. I like Connor Timmins a lot, and I haven't seen a whole lot from Dennis Gilbert to make a judgment on him. But that's rough for your second pairing. Nothing anyone can do about it. They looked decent tonight. Connor Timmins struggled a bit, but not overly terrible. Your fourth pair, Jacob McDonald and Ryan Graves. That is a grand total of two defensemen from opening night. Actually, three. Connor Timmons, because Eric Johnson did not play on opening night. But putting Eric Johnson back in the mix instead of Timmons, that is two of your top six ideal defensemen at the moment. Bowen Byram did not start the, the season with the team, obviously. It took him a second to get there, but let's, put, let's just put Byram in the mix. That's three. You got half your defense out. Taze, Byram, and Graves are in. McCarr, Johnson, and Gerard are out. That is rough. And thankfully, it didn't seem to hurt them too much tonight. I liked what I saw from a lot of the defensemen tonight. I really liked Jacob McDonald. I'll get into more of that later. But just can't seem to have anything nice right now, can we? Just not at all. McKinnon back, Taze back, Belmar back, and just two other steps back. You could see this team really missed Makar tonight. As for the game itself, the Avalanche, they played well against the Golden Knights tonight. They just couldn't beat Marc-Andre Fleury. That, that really is the story of the game. They just couldn't beat Marc-Andre Fleury. Fleury was outstanding tonight. The Avalanche, they needed some time in the first period to really shake some of the rust off. They took some dumb penalties early, but ultimately recovered. And I would say in the second half of this game, they outplayed Vegas. They really, really did. I mean, by the end of the game, they outshoot Vegas 30-24. to 24. And this, despite the score, this was a fun game to watch. This was a goaltender duel between Grubauer and Marc-Andre Fleury that ultimately... Flurry won with more saves and less goals. 
I will absolutely concede that. But Philip Grubauer still played excellent in this game. And I'll talk more about it when we get to the goal scored by Max Pacioretty, but this is not on him at all. Flurry played out of his mind, and you can't you can't blame the goalie in a one nothing loss. But before I get into that, like I said, the Avs they they did play well in this game, especially considering, like I said, they haven't played a, a hockey game in a week and a half. They didn't even practice until Thursday. They went dead from their game against the Wild that 2-1 to win against the Wild on the second, and they were just done. And they just had to be home, pretty much. You can't go out, obviously. They're in protocol. They can't do anything. They have to stay in shape at home. They can't go on the ice. And considering all that, I really thought that they looked decent in this game, and Flurry was outstanding. Like, that's I mean, you can re- you can really just end the conversation about the game right there. Flurry was outstanding. They had some chances to beat him, but ultimately they didn't. And the chances that they actually were able to get off on Flurry, he stopped, especially late in the third period. That chance by Belmar, that was probably their best chance of the third period to actually tie this game. And Flurry followed the puck the whole way. I would have liked to see maybe a little more banging and crashing in front of the net instead of trying like after time and time again to keep trying to jam the puck down the middle when Vegas implemented the four-man box very well to clog up the center of the ice. You, You couldn't get anything to the ice. And when this team succeeded the best when they were getting pucks to the net and making Flurry have to track the puck, those were the times that he looked the most vulnerable. And it was the third and fourth line that was doing that. Like, Logan O'Connor is very, very good at that. Logan O'Connor, I, I can talk about him for a second. Logan O'Connor is likely not going to be playing once this team gets fully healthy, which might be never, for all we know. So maybe he'll just stay in the lineup for the rest of the season and this whole point becomes moot. I really, really like how Logan O'Connor is playing. He's He obviously has a couple goals, and that's great. But he's playing exactly the way you want from your fourth-line winger. He bangs and crashes in front of the net. He doesn't make it easy. He's getting a couple bounces to go in, as we saw in the last few games before that pause. And in this one, he really made Flurry work for it a lot of the time. And I think he's carved out a spot in this lineup for himself. I think he obviously moved up to the third line tonight to play with Kampfer and Nachushkin. When this team gets healthy, I think you got a a tough case to take this guy out of the lineup. He looks good. Obviously, Landeskog is hopefully going to be back next game, and that might push someone like Jason Megna out of the lineup, who made his debut with the team tonight. But once Matt Calvert comes back, I think you take Sheldon Drees out of the lineup, and I think you try to keep Logan O'Connor in at that point. I hope so, at least. And at very worst, he's your 13th forward. And at that point, you're doing quite well. I like the way Matt Calvert played before he got injured. I'd put Calvert in over O'Connor at the moment just for more NHL experience, but it's, it's not an easy choice. And when next season comes around and eventually some of these guys like Matt Calvert and potentially some other guys leave... I think the way he's played, he's carved out a spot in the lineup for himself. You can you can pencil him into the bottom six next year already. I can say that much about him in just four games. He's really, really impressed me. I mean, he's still just 24 years old. And 
what else can you want? He's an un, he's an undrafted guy. What else what else do you want? I think you have something here. I think you have something here that you can work with in the future. And you don't need to worry about signing a, a fourth line guy to a two million dollar deal just to fill a hole. I think you can keep Logan O'Connor on maybe that fourth line right wing and not have to worry about it for next season. I think that's a great luxury for the team to have. I think he played very, very well tonight. I was very impressed with his performance. Ultimately, he didn't score. No one scored. But he plays the way he does. He'll bang in a few more before his time to get off the roster comes. And if he if he plays even better than he does now, maybe he doesn't come out at all. I think that would be interesting to see. But getting back to what I was saying, this game was flurry dominating the game and the only goal of this game came from Max Pacioretty that goal coming early in the second period after a scoreless first period and obviously holds up as the only goal of the game now this goal from Pacioretty led to led to some some anger towards Grubauer that he should have had it or here we go again with Grubauer this is the goalie he is he's just not good enough I I gotta be honest I do not understand where that was coming from. It just even on this play alone, yeah, maybe he should have had it, but this is a, a solid shot from and one of the more consistent goal scorers of the last decade in Max Pacioretty. He was very, very consistent in Montreal over the last several years, and in Vegas he's revitalized himself again as one of the top goal scorers in the league. Maybe not anymore one of the top goal scorers in the league, but he's still very, very good. 32 goals last year. This was his, I believe, seventh goal of the season. This was It was a good shot. Yeah, he beat Grubauer clean, but it was a very good shot just inside the post. And okay, what do you want? Yeah, I, you know, I, mean, I, would, I would like a save on every single shot, but that's just not going to happen, is it? I mean, you're not going to have the kind of night that Marc-Andre Fleury had every single night. Marc-Andre Fleury's not even going to have those nights every single night. So I just didn't un- I didn't understand where the whole, oh, here's Grubauer again, he's doing it again. What, what do you mean he's doing it again? What's again? He had, he had one bad game this season. That was the season opener against St. Louis. And even then, he wasn't awful. Like, he didn't let up seven. He let in three. I just, I don't, I don't get the the anti-Grubauer crowd. Grubauer has been very consistent over his time in Colorado and even before he got to Colorado. I mean, I watched Grubauer in Washington as the backup to Braden Holtby, and when Holtby had to sit for a while, when the Capitals were winning President's Trophies and eventually won the Stanley Cup, Grubauer would come in and there would essentially be no difference. The Capitals would have a shot every single night with Grubauer in net, and in 2018, the season they won the Cup, when Braden Holtby struggled, Philip Grubauer literally took over his job for the rest of the season and took over as the starting goalie and was one of the better goalies in the league during that stretch. Then he gets traded to Colorado after the Capitals keep Holtby, and he's been consistent in his time in Colorado. He, The only thing I've ever been concerned about is his injury history. I've never been concerned about the results. 9-17 his first year in 37 games, a 9-25 in the playoffs, in 12 games, and last year, a 9-16 in 36 games, and a 9-22 in 7 games in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know what else you want. This guy's good. He's a very good goalie, and he's very consistent. And this goal that he gave up to Pacioretty, 
yeah, okay, I would have liked to have seen him save it. But to be quite honest, I would like to see every single shot saved. But that's not going to happen, is it? Goalies don't just save every single shot. They're playing, they're having to stop shots from NHL players who, last I checked, are very good at their jobs, especially a guy like Max Pacioretty. If you give him that much room, odds are he's probably going to score. It doesn't, it frankly wouldn't matter who the goalie is, whether it's Grubauer or like Michael Hutchinson. Do you want that guy in net? Do you want Michael Hutchinson back in net? Does he stop that puck? No. I don't even know if Flurry stops that puck. Maybe if he played the, maybe tonight he would have, but it was not a bad goal. It was a bad play from the Avalanche. This possession, like I said, should have never even happened. They should have gotten this puck out of the zone. They should have had a better change. And this shot from Pacioretty should never even have gotten to the net. He has way too much room. So I'm not going to give Grubauer crap because he played very, very well otherwise. He only let in one on Vegas, who is right now the best team in the West Division and one of the best teams in the league. They gave him 24 shots, most of them high quality. He made some outstanding saves before this and after this to keep the abs in the game. I mean, if if Grubauer was off his game tonight, we would have noticed because they would have lost this game probably three or four to nothing. This game wouldn't have been close to begin with. We're we're winding down the clock in the third period. We wouldn't even have had a shot. After that, it falls to the rest of the team to put a damn goal in the net. This does not fall on the goalie. And Thankfully, I think Reason has ultimately won out, and people after watching the replay have kind of realized that that's just an an NHL goal that gets scored sometimes. It's not like it was an unscreened shot from the point from a nobody that just floated its way into the net. I mean, we've all seen bad goals. That was that was not a bad goal. Is it a shot you'd like a save on? Probably, but it's also a shot that, from what we've seen, that Grubauer stops probably 9 out of 10 times. But that was probably one of the better shots of that caliber that he's ever going to face. It's from Max Pacioretty, for God's sake. Like, the guy scores goals. That's kind of his thing has been his thing his entire career. I mean, I just, I don't get it. I said it from the beginning of the season. I don't get it. I don't understand the hatred that Grubauer gets from a certain segment of this fan base. I don't get it. Yes, he has an injury history, and yes, that has sunk the team at times and put them in a really bad spot. I mean, just go back to last year's playoffs against Dallas. He plays well in the round robin and against Arizona, and he gets hurt in the first game against Dallas. We have to go to Pavel Francouz, who struggles before getting hurt himself, and we've got to rely on Michael Hutchinson to win this series, which we ultimately don't. If Grubauer's healthy in that series, we probably win. But what's the other part of that sentence? If Grubauer is healthy, what? We probably win. So how is this guy bad if we probably win that series with him at net. I, I, I just don't get it. He's been consistent. Yeah, okay. Every once in a while, he has a clunker. Last year, he had a few clunker games where he let in some soft goals. I will not deny that. But he hasn't this season. He has been nothing short of elite. And when you look at starting goalies across the league, I'm talking 
goalies who have started six games or more. He's tied with Marc-Andre Fleury, or at least he was before the game. Fleury now would surpass him and be first. I don't know the number because it hasn't updated yet. But before the game, he was tied with Grubauer at a 934 save percentage for starting goalies across the league. I mean, better than guys like Vasilevsky. I mean, the guys behind him are Jake Allen, Vasilevsky, Semyon Varlamov, and Calvin Peterson in LA. He's ahead of all of them. 934 and a 1.67 goals against average. Again, only Flurry with a better one. I mean, Flurry has been outstanding this season. I mean, he struggled at times last season, but we we saw tonight he is back. And Robin Leonard is out with an upper body injury at the moment, but he is going to have to pry the starting goaltending job from Flurry out of his cold, dead hands this time because he is not handing that thing back. He was after they acquired Robin Leonard at the deadline last year, and he is not giving it back once Leonard comes back. He's that goaltending tandem in Vegas is the best in the league. I don't think there's a close second. And you put it up against a lot of goaltending tandems from the last decade, it probably beats most of them too. I mean, ironically, the only other one I can think of from at least the last few years would have been the Braden Holtby and Philip Grubauer tandem in Washington when they were winning President's Trophies and the Cup. It's the it's obviously the best in the West Division, and it's the best in the league. And Philip Grubauer unfortunately can't match it because there is no tandem in Colorado right now. It's just Philip Grubauer. Pablo Francois is still out. He's out long-term, and we don't know what that means. That could be he's out for a month. It might mean he's done for 75% of the season. We have no idea. And Hunter Miska is not the guy at backup. And who who knows what Adam Werner is at this point. I assume he's going to be the next goalie in net that's not named Philip Grubauer for the Avalanche, but when is that going to be? Our next three games are all against Vegas. I don't even, I don't even remember off the top of my head who we play next after Vegas. I mean, we're going to get to know Vegas very, very well over the next week. Play Arizona on the 25th, after we play Vegas. I mean, is is Warner going to get in one of those games? Is Warner going to get in against Vegas? I doubt it. I really, really doubt it, especially since Grubauer's had all this time off due to the having the last five games postponed. I mean, we've got the next game, obviously, in Vegas, and then the outdoor game on Lake Tahoe on Saturday, and then back home against Vegas again. I assume Grubauer starts all of those games. When is... Adam Warner going to come into the net. My point being, this is not a goaltending tandem in Colorado right now. It's Philip Grubauer and Philip Grubauer alone. And the fact that he is at the top of the league, only behind Flurry at the moment, who has someone like Robin Leonard to back him up when Leonard comes back, probably before the end of the series, is outstanding. I mean, I had expectations for Grubauer this season, and he is completely surpassed them. I mean, if you were to, if the season were to end right now, the season gets paused, we don't play a game the rest of the season, Philip Grubauer gets nominated for the Vesna. He's been that good so far this season. So to suggest that, like, oh, Philip Grubauer is, he's, he's bad. Like, for, he's go, I was going to say going back to his old ways. I, st- I still don't understand that because what are his old ways? He's always been good. He's never just... Just because he has the occasional clunker last season does not mean that's who he is. 
every metric suggests that this guy is a good goalie. I've never seen anything that suggests otherwise, frankly, throughout his career. I mean, if you look at his year-by-year stats, the only thing that stands out is the 2018 playoffs with Washington, where he starts the first two games in that series against Columbus and is terrible. And those are the last games he plays in Washington before coming to Colorado, and he never dips below 916 in his time. And right now, he's on pace for his best season yet, ever. And even in his time in Washington, he never dipped below even a 918. I mean, he started getting consistent starts in 2015, played 22 games. It was a 918 that year. The next year, he was a 926. And then final year in Washington, he was a 923. I think I'm starting to get a little off track, but like, I just don't understand the um, the negativity towards Grubauer. It just doesn't make any sense to me. He doesn't deserve it. He does not deserve it at all. And this goal by Pacioretty, I mean, sure, it wasn't a deflection that he had no chance on. I mean, he had a chance to save it, but he didn't. He didn't save it. He missed the puck. It was a he got beaten clean by Max Pacioretty. I, like, wow, what an awful goalie. What a, we should just cut the guy. Like, what's the alternative? What you want to go out and get a different goalie? Who? Who do you want to? Who do you want to go get that is gonna be better and make you feel better every time there's a shot on net? Who's that gonna be? Are they available? How how would we trade for them? What what would we do about that? Do you want to put do you want to put Adam Warner in and just see would that make you feel better? Like I don't know what I don't know what you want. I don't know what this group wants out of Grubauer. He did just about everything he could do tonight. He let in one goal. He gave this team more than enough of a chance to win this game. That is what you need. With a team this good, that's all you need. You just need a shot. I mean, the Avalanche, this is a good team. This is a very deep team, especially on offense. So the fact that I've had to spend this amount of time defending the goalie in a one nothing game is crazy because Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Burakovsky, Devontae's, like, we didn't get a goal tonight. So why, like... Why are we, like, the fact that I've had to defend the goalie is crazy to me. This is not his fault. This game was not his fault. Sure, okay, maybe he could have saved the one goal that went in. Okay, fine, whatever. I'm sorry that he could not be completely perfect and stop everything that came his way and got outdueled by one of the best goalie performances of the season across the league. I don't know what to tell you. The guy's good. You just gotta, like, give him a shot. He's been good. I don't, like, I, I, got, I got nothing else to say. The numbers speak for themselves, and his performance this season speaks for itself. The guy's a good goalie. He's not the best goalie in the world. There's only one of those, and I can't even tell you who it is right now. It might be Flurry, for all I know. But oh well. He's surpassed every expectation. That's all. I'm done with that. I don't, I don't want to hear it unless he deserves it. He doesn't deserve it, so I don't want to hear it anymore. He, he's done more than enough to give this team a shot every night. That's all you can ask for a goalie on a team this good. 
And when Grubauer was asked about the goal after the game, I, I kind of loved his response. He just goes, it was just a goal. Next question. <laughs> I, that's, that's what it is. It doesn't need to be a bigger deal than that. If the Avs score one goal tonight, they get one past Flurry. This is not even brought up because it, it wasn't a goal that's really worth talking about. It's not a reflection on Grubauer as him being bad as a goalie because that is ignoring the 23 other saves that he made tonight and the several other games that he's had this season where he's been unbeatable. I mean, he has, he has two shutouts this season. That's not a joke. Man, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done having to defend Grubauer. Like, I don't know what else you want from the guy. So I'm, do I'm done talking about Grubauer, especially for this game, until I have a reason to be concerned about Philip Grubauer, I am not concerned. I have no reason to be concerned about him right now because he's given me no reason to. He's been good. And if he's ever not good, I will say it. Like, I'm not going to die on this hill if he gives me a reason not to, but there's no reason to be talking about this right now. He's a good goalie. Let him be good without hating him. I just don't get it anymore. But mo moving on from that now, some of the positives from this game, Bo Byram played a career high for him, 20-plus minutes with three of the Avalanche's key defensemen out. Jared Bednar clearly has a lot of faith in Bo Byram right now. He put him on the top pair with Devontae's tonight and played him for 23 minutes tonight. For a 19-year-old defenseman to have the trust of his coach this much really says something that is really really important because you see a lot of young guys in the league whether they're on offense or defense or even goalies like high prospect guys when they start at their careers they're sheltered for a little bit they're put on the third pair they're put with either really good partners and just they're kind of put out of the way and let allowed to get their feet wet before they're tossed to the wolves especially for defensemen, this is especially true. I mean, it's it's hard playing in the NHL, especially if you're a defenseman. Bo Byram has not had that at all. I mean, obviously with the amount of injuries this team has had, he's had to step up, but there was no gun to Jared Bednar's head to play him for 23 minutes tonight and play him on the top pair. I mean, that could have gone to anyone. And he, he put Bo Byram up there and trusted him with a big role. And he was very good. He was very, very good. Obviously, he didn't get on the score sheet. I mean, no one did. But he led the team with five hits and was tied for the team lead in block shots with three. I got to say, we have something here with Byram. I knew we did. I think we all did. We knew there was something special here with Byram. This kid is really, really good. He hasn't been flashy so far. He has that one point, that really nice assist in that Anaheim game. He has been very, very solid defensively, and he gets better every single time he's on the ice. I, I, I just I can't have enough praise for him so far. For a 19-year-old to get his own coach to trust him this much, to play him top pair minutes against the best team in the West Division. This is not a joke game. This is not a game against the Kings where you just you throw him out there and see how he does with a bunch of minutes. This is this was arguably the biggest game of the Av season so far, and he's putting Byram 
on the top pair. And he delivered. He delivered in a big way. They did not get caved when Byram was on the ice. If anything, they were better when Byram was on the ice. He looks very comfortable in the NHL right now. And I'm, I knew he would. I just, I'm just surprised that it's worked out this well for him so far. Now, obviously, he hadn't gotten on the score sheet a ton, but who cares? Who cares? This team, they, they don't need Byram to be getting on the score sheet right now. That can, that can figure itself out later. We don't need him to be scoring a bunch of goals and making people look stupid like Makar does at this point in his career. We just need him to look comfortable in the NHL and show a clear path for development. And he's shown that, absolutely. I mean, you, you compare his NHL debut to tonight, while his NHL debut is very solid, you see a completely different player from that point. He has already grown, I'd say, exponentially in his defensive play. I mean, the offensive skills are all there. We all know that. We saw how he dominated the World Juniors. We don't need to worry about that. All The, the points and all that will come. We don't need to worry about it. What I was worried about was just him not being ready for NHL competition and just making some dumb mistakes on defense, turnovers of the like. He hasn't done that at all. He's looked better on defense than he has on offense, which really surprises me. We we really do have something here with Byram. By the end of the season, I mean, who knows just by the end of the season how good Byram is going to look. And then just imagine how good he's going to look next season. After a whole offseason under his belt with the team and just another year of growth and just growing into himself, there's something special here again on the back end with Byram along with Makar. And they don't, they're not even the same handedness. They, for the future, we could see Byram and Makar on the same pair until one of them stops playing hockey. That is special. I mean, I've talked I talked about Makar in the last episode about how I think he is he or at least he has the potential to be a generational defenseman based on the way that he's played so far, especially this season. And then you add a kid like Byram who in just a handful of games has grown so much in his defensive play and clearly has the sky's the limit with the kid. I don't I don't even know just how good he is going to be, but there's a real shot that we could have two of the best defensemen in the league on the same pair. And that's rare. You don't you don't see that. You that's just not something you see in the modern NHL without some kind of blockbuster trade. I mean, the closest you could even compare it to in just the last few years, and it, it's clearly not anymore, would, would be Brent Burns and Eric Carlson when the Sharks acquired Carlson from the Senators. And obviously it didn't work out that way, but this is the potential that it has to really be the best defensive pair in the league for decades to come. And I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm very, very aware that I'm getting ahead of myself. But come on, come on. This kid's special. And we've already seen just how special Makar is. He might be bringing home a Norris this season. And thankfully, I saw just now, Makar is likely going to be back next game for the Avalanche against Vegas. So even even if he's not, the, the, 
they, it said they still have to talk about it with the, the training staff and make a decision before the game. That at least tells me that he's going to be back for the outdoor game. He'll miss at most one more game, and it's he probably won't miss. It would have to be bad for him to not play it. It's an upper body injury. It would have to be bad for him to not play. I mean, for hockey players, it's got to be a bad injury to keep them out at all. I mean, these guys are psychopaths. I mean, getting off topic here for a second, that Pierre-Edouard Belmar injury from a few weeks ago was gruesome to watch and he's already back like his knees do not go that way and he was screaming on the ice he definitely did something to it it's not like he escaped that unscathed and he's already back I mean that is crazy this guy's 35 he's not like 20 years old and getting an injury for the first time he's he's been around the block a little bit Belmar has and to bounce back that quickly I mean Guy's tough as nails, but my God, there is no way you are fully healthy after that. And I just think that's not just a Belmar exclusive thing. I think that's just a hockey thing where these guys, they get completely destroyed in their careers and play through these ridiculous injuries. I mean, one thing I kind of realized this offseason after like you saw a bunch of guys just like randomly retire and it was guys that like teams maybe needed to move or get off the books in order to make moves this offseason or sign some of their players like for for example like a guy like Alex Steen in St. Louis they needed money to sign Dunn and conveniently after Steen retired they were able to get Mike Hoffman and when I first saw that I was like oh of, of course right Steen just he has an injury and retires but then I realized and this is not just for Steen this was for some other guys I saw this season Hockey players play through so much pain, probably on a nightly basis with just pain-numbing injections and just probably tolerance to it after such a long career that they could probably figure out something to be a reason to retire. Like, I don't remember what the reason Steen retired was. I know it was injury-related. And my first was like, oh, well, of course, right? They need the cap space, so he retires. I was like... That's probably true, but he probably could have played anyway, but it's I is probably true that he is really hurt. But going back to the Belmar thing, there's no way that he's 100%. That injury was brutal, but he I guess he feels good enough to play, and if that's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. But anyway, I got off topic there for a second, but going back to Byram, the kid's special. He's very very special sky's the limit and when he and he's ready he can put him with Kale McCarr and you can have something for decades and I hope I hope by next season you can really start to see just how good Bowen Byram can be and he'll be just 20 years old and hopefully by that point Kale McCarr will have a Norris under his belt and he's back next game to continue to prove why he deserves it this season He'd be the first, like I said last episode, since Bobby Orr in like the 70s to win a Calder and Norris back-to-back. But as for the game, I mean, what else is there to really talk about from the one nothing game? McKinnon's back, Makar's out, Grubauer let in one, and oh no, turned into the game-winning goal. And Flurry was excellent. That's really it for the game. I mean... This, this game was about Marc-Andre Fleury and just how good he was. I mean, he played last night as well. He played the Sharks. 
and played very well in that game too. If I remember correctly, Vegas won that game three to one, and the only goal he let up was a cross crease pass that he had no chance on. So he is on fire right now. And while it's frustrating that this high-powered offense, even without Landeskog and Jost, couldn't get one past him, and with the net emptied, Nazem Kadri had a chance in the dying seconds to get a puck to the net, and he feeds it cross ice through a bunch of Golden Knights, and the puck is taken away, and the Avs have no chances after that. That made that made me mad. I wasn't mad about this game, and because just Flurry played so well. But that opportunity made me mad. Nas, you have to know better than that. That was a terrible play. There is a first of all. I don't remember who it was, just because it all happened so fast. But you had a guy standing at the net. I assume it was Rantanen. You had Rantanen standing. Basically, on Marc-Andre Fleury, Fleury is covering the shot from Kadri because he has a wide-open lane to shoot it. And why wouldn't you at least shoot it or get it towards the net with under 20 seconds to go in a 1-0 game? And Rantanen is right there if Kadri can get it on his stick for a tap-in. Instead, Kadri feeds it across the ice to, I'm pretty sure it was Brandon Saad, you could you really couldn't get a look at the numbers and I haven't been able to find a replay but that was a terrible play from Kadri you have to either one try to score two get a shot towards the net and generate a rebound or three get that puck to Rantanen or whoever the, that guy was at the net and try to get a tap in that cross ice pass like made me put my head in my hands and like rub my temples because that was such a just a brain dead move How, like why are you, why are you even looking cross crease get the puck to the net you're not going to beat Marc Andre Fleury if you don't shoot you're not going to beat anybody if you don't shoot the puck you just get, it's not hard just to the net you never know What's going to happen? You've seen plenty of shutouts and perfect goalie games broken by just getting a puck to the net. Like I said earlier, those were the best chances we had when we got pucks to the net and made Flurry have to move frantically with the puck in the crease. Outside of that chance from Kadri, those were some of the best chances we had this period, in that third period. And just to see that opportunity wasted after this team played so well and ultimately end this game with a shutout, and it ju- it just doesn't tell the story of this game. Yes, the Avs in the first period clearly looked like they hadn't played hockey in a little while and needed to get their legs back. They played well the rest of this game, and they really deserved to get one past Flurry. and it sucks they couldn't get a point out of this. Grubauer played very well. I will not hear otherwise because he did, let up only one goal. He bailed out the team a bunch of times on some decent scoring opportunities for Vegas, and the offense had some solid chances on Flurry. If they play like that again against Vegas, they're going to beat Flurry a couple times. I believe they can start to get some of the COVID list guys back on Tuesday against Vegas. I'm not 100% sure on that, but they all will at least hopefully be back for the Lake Tahoe game.
So hopefully we can put Landeskog back on that top pair and push Saad back down to that second pair. I didn't like Brandon Saad tonight on that top pair. I just don't think that's a combination that's going to work. I think he works way better with Kadri and Burakovsky. I don't know if Saad can keep up with McKinnon and Ranton. He just looked out of place tonight. He just didn't, he didn't look like he fully got them, like just, or can really keep up with them. He can keep up much better with Kadri and Burakovsky. So even if Landeskog is not back for the next game, I'd put Burakovsky back on that top pair with McKinnon and Rantanen. Just from what we saw last season, I think he can fit that role better just because he's faster and has better puck skills than Saad. He's a better shooter and a better passer. And I'd push Saad back down to that second pair. But hopefully we don't have to worry about that at all. Hopefully we just get Landeskog back. And from the reports I've seen, I assume we will, as well as Tyson Jost and Sam Gerrard. And then you really, you're running out of excuses. Once you get those three guys back, the only guys you're missing are Matt Calvert, Eric Johnson, and Pavel Francouz. And while it sucks to be losing those guys, Grubauer's going to be playing, so you're not going to be missing Francouz tomorrow. Eric Johnson is, I think you should kind of expect him to be hurt hurt a lot at this point and I hate saying that but my god he's played four games this season and it's becoming a pattern in his career he's been hurt a lot played 59 games last year he just needs to stay healthy and that's out of his control but you started the season without Eric Johnson so you don't have much of an excuse on defense you have a guy like Byram and Timmons who can step in and you're missing Matt Calvert but like I was talking about earlier with Logan O'Connor He's fitting in quite well, so got to be honest. Once these guys are back, I don't want to hear injuries anymore. You got to beat Marc-Andre Fleury. Yes, he played very, very well, but there were opportunities for us to beat him, and it seemed like we were a little stubborn to keep trying to run it right down the middle like we can against teams like the, the Sharks and the Kings, where we can just drive the center and embarrass their players. You can't do that against Vegas. And I, so I hope for the next game we change it up a little bit and get more players to the net. Our third and fourth liners should not be the most successful players in a game against Vegas. We need the McKinnons and the Rantanens to be the players that drive us to beat Vegas. And they played well in this game. McKinnon got four shots. Rantanen, I believe, got three but for a lot of this game, Vegas did a great job at shutting them down, and I feel like we've been saying that a lot this season. Yes, they're still playing very well, and yes, McKinnon is still playing at an absurd pace and one of the better players in the league, but I feel like teams have found a way to shut them down a lot. And I would like to see more goal scoring from McKinnon. He's only got two goals right now. I mean, Burakovsky has three, Kadri has three, Donskoy has four. Five, Saad is five, Rantanen has seven. I need to see some more goal-scoring touch from Nathan McKinnon, if I'm being honest, and not to be shut down as much. I need to see him break free of that a lot more. You see guys like McDavid do it. You see the Crosbys and Ovechkins do it. I love Nathan McKinnon. I love him a lot. You guys know that, and he I do believe he is the second-best player in the world. But the second-best player in the world can not be shut down so easily we need to see a little more out of him and I know that's unfair because he did play well in this game and I'm not at all suggesting that he played bad or that he is bad just the opposite I know though 
that he still has a bit more to give. I can see it in him. He's pushing a little bit and he's getting a little frustrated. There's a little bit more for him to give there and he's going to find it. He's going to find it. He just came off an injury and not playing a game since January. This is his first game of the month. But there's still more to give there and I know he's going to find it and I bet actually that next game against Vegas we're going to see a big game from Nathan McKinnon. At least two points from Nathan McKinnon in an Avs win. I predict that the Avs are going to bounce back in this next game. They're going to solve Marc-Andre Fleury in the first period and shut down Vegas and find a way to win this game. I'm going to go with a final score of 3-2, to two, a goal and an assist from McKinnon. The big boys produce in this one. McKinnon gets in on two, Rantanen gets another, and I think at that point you can kind of throw it up to the rest of the roster as to who's going to get the third one. But Burakovsky played really well in this game, especially early on. He was flying, and he had some chances as well that unfortunately were either saved by Flurry or got blocked on the way to the net. But he had a breakaway. He set up Jacob McDonald for a great chance. So I'm going to say he gets that third goal in the next game against Vegas because I think he deserves it. He's playing really well right now. I'd say the at least the third best player in the lineup tonight behind McKinnon and Rantanen. He's going to get another one soon. I'm going to call that here. He's going to get another one in this game against Vegas coming up on Tuesday, and the Avs are going to get a 3-2 win and even up this series at 1-1 before their three-day break, before the outdoor game at Lake Tahoe. And that is going to do it for me on this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Thank you all very, very much for listening. I cannot express enough just how much it means to me every time you tune in. I really, really do appreciate it. There is no show without you guys. Follow me on Twitter at NHL and follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time hopefully after an avalanche win over the Golden Knights.